Thank you. Well, it's lovely to be here. Thank you, church, for, for having us this evening. It's lovely to be here on this, on this warm evening. Lovely, warm summer's evening. I know some are praying for a breakthrough. They're praying for a breakthrough in this humidity, and they're praying for rain. Is that right? Well, I believe that tonight there is going to be a breakthrough in the spiritual as well. I believe that the blessings of God are going to rain down in this place, and there's going to be great healing in this place this evening. So just trust in God. Whatever you've come here today, just trust in God, and that he will bring that increase. That today you will hear stories of the love and grace of, of Jesus Christ. But also what you'll hear is the truth and reality of where drug addiction takes you. And to just share and emphasise this point, I'd like to, to share this with you. Today, there are an estimated 270 million addicts worldwide. If drug and alcohol abuse were a country, it would be the third largest nation in the world. Over 3.6 million people die from drugs or alcohol each year. That's approximately 10,000 deaths per day, 420 per hour, and seven every minute. This is the true epidemic of our time. Addiction and the mental health problems that go alongside this. Now, My, my name is, is Michael and I'm the outreach coordinator at Teen Challenge London, which basically means that I just head up all the outreach projects and evangelism projects within Teen Challenge London. But that wasn't always the case because I could have very easily, and in fact was very close to, being recorded as one of them numbers. For over a decade, I was injecting heroin and crack. I was taking at least 30 blue tail meal Valium a day, so much so I couldn't even speak. I first tried committing suicide at the age of 10. I was homeless when I was 16 years old. Through the years, I've been diagnosed with drug-induced schizophrenia, psychosis, paranoia, anxiety and depression. I've been sectioned for the amount of times that I've tried to commit suicide. But as I stand here today, I have a sober mind. Jesus Christ has healed me, set me free, delivered me, hallelujah, and raised me up. The grace of God is amazing what, what Jesus can do in someone's, in someone's heart that is open. You know, the, my thinking when I went into Teen Challenge was, you know, gee, that, that Jesus geezer, that, that fellow who lived 2,000 years ago, what can he do for me? And the truth is this, that he can do quite a bit if you let him. So I, my prayer tonight is that you would have an open heart to what Christ wants to do in, in, you, in you tonight. Hallelujah. How many of you have heard of Teen Challenge before? Oi, quite, quite, quite a number of you. So you're familiar, some, for the story of Teen Challenge started with a man called Pastor David Wilkerson. Yeah, you, you know, crossing a switchblade, the book and the film. Yes, you know, it's an amazing, amazing story and a true story, one of the greatest true stories of our time. And it starts with David Wilkerson just going out, you know, he's, he was in his home of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he read a magazine which there was his picture of five young gang boys that are on trial for murder. And he felt so stirred that he left his home. He travelled all the way to New York just to try and speak to these young men. And what can only be described as a series of miracles started happening. He got thrown out of the court, couldn't speak to the young men. But he began walking the streets of, of New York. At this time, it is riddled with, with teenage gangs, serious violence and extreme drug, uh, drug abuse. But he began walking the streets and sharing Jesus. 
he began preaching the love of Jesus Christ on street corners. You know, and he, he, was in one, he was on one particular corner and there was a young gang leader there by the name of Nicky Cruz. And this, this Nicky Cruz, he had been brought up in a home full of witchcraft and occult. He's often subjected to these ritual abuses that take place. He was brought up in a home full of hate. He'd never experienced love in his life. And he didn't know how to handle this message of love which David Wilkerson was preaching. So he called out to him, he said, Preacher, if you don't stop preaching, I'm going to cut you into a thousand pieces. David Wilkerson turned back to him, said, If you cut me into a thousand pieces, every piece will turn back to you and tell you that Jesus loves you. He didn't know how to handle a response like this. He'd never known love in his life. And for the next couple of weeks, these words were just stirring within him. Because what happened a couple of weeks later was David Wilkerson put on an event where he hired a hall out. And he invited all the, all the rival gangs into this one hall together. <laughs> Pretty crazy, right? All these rival gang members in one hall together. But that's what he'd done. And again, he began preaching the love of Jesus. And at the end of that, he gave a call for people to respond to the message of Jesus, of which I'll be doing the same at the end of this service too. He gave that call to people to respond to that message. And Nicky Cruz came forward and he surrendered and gave his heart to Jesus. And because Nicky Cruz went forward, his whole gang followed him. And they, laid, they surrendered to Jesus too and, and surrendered their heart over to him. They laid down their weapons and they picked up their Bibles. And it was at this point in 1958 that the first teen challenge was birthed in Brooklyn, New York. As I speak to you today, teen challenges in 125 countries and we have 1,400 centres globally. And I want you to think on that for a moment of every man and woman that has gone through the teen challenge programme since 1958 that have been touched by the love of Jesus and their, their lives have been changed and transformed. Now the outward work and effect of that to their families, which have been touched by the love of Jesus, and their lives have been changed and transformed. And now the outward work and effect of that still to those in their community, which have been touched by the love of Jesus, and their lives have been changed and transformed. Try and think of that number if you can, but that number is innumerable. Through one man's obedience, how many lives have been touched by the love of Jesus? have been changed and transformed. I know I wouldn't be standing, standing here now if, it wasn't, if David Wilkerson wasn't obedient to that call. Maybe God's calling you to something today. And maybe you just need to be obedient to that call. You never know what God will, what God will birth from that. But Teen Challenge is an, a 17-month residential rehab program where the men and women, albeit separately, some run separately, they go and live there for 17 months. And the only way we can describe Teen Challenge is a cross between a monastery and a military boot camp. <laughs> yeah, These guys, they get woken up at 7.15 in the morning. And the first thing they have to do is they have to clean their rooms. They have to hoover their carpet. They have to clean the showers. They have to make their beds without a crease. Then they have to, then what will happen is a staff member will come round and they'll run their finger along the skirting board just to check for dust. But what this does is it instills structure and it instills routine in, the, in these people because as an addict you do what you want, when you want, how you want and no one's going to tell you any different. 
And obviously we have to challenge certain behaviours. It's always done in the grace and love of, of Christ. But as, you, as you're probably aware, that certain, that certain behaviours have to be challenged. And we have to say, listen, you can't live life like this. This is the way. You know, we have to show them. But as the guys are coming through as well, they get 14 different biblical teachings, such as love and accepting myself, growing through failure, temptations and attitudes. All key biblical teachings for any Christian, especially, well, especially those coming from drug addiction, because the root cause of most addiction is rejection. So lo- teachings such as love and accepting myself, knowing that you are loved and accepted by God, that is life transforming. To know that when you make a mistake, you know, it's not a failure, but you learn by it and you grow through it. This is the grace of God. And I think temptations and attitudes really speak for themselves. But what I want to do now is I'm going to invite Dave up to, to come and share what Jesus has done in his life. And I tell you, I just want to say before, you, I normally do this after, but I'm going to say this right now as it's Father's Day. Blessed Blessed, I pray a blessing on all the fathers, and I, I really honour you in this place today, every father in this place. But Dave, you know, is a spiritual father to many, and he's blessed so many men coming through that programme. My mum, every time I ring her up or, or speaking with her about work, she'll ask, how's Dave doing? Because when, when they first come, when my mum first come to see me, Dave went over and had a conversation. I don't know what this conversation was about, but my mum obviously remembered it because it was that special to her. But this is the blessing that this man is to, to, to everyone that he, that he encounters. So with that, could we invite Dave up and could we give him a bit of encouragement as he comes up? Thank you, Michael. Uh, Good evening church, I just want to thank Pastor Paul, Pastor David and the leadership for inviting me and Michael uh, this evening to come and share what God is doing within the ministry of Teen Challenge and what he's done in my life and what he continues to do in my life. Um, I'm 64 years of age but I'm just going to quickly take you back to when I was 16. At the age of 16 I was in such a a bad place, at, at the age of 16 I had no idea while I was born. I had a great big emptiness with inside of me. I had a childhood that uh, no child should have to experience. I suffered from rejection. I had no parents because they rejected me. I suffered from a lot of physical abuse and uh, whether that was in school, because back in the 60s, my school was still quite Victorian. I got every form of punishment you could get at school um, and I got that at home as well. And by the time I was 16, I was suffering dreadfully from depression, rejection, anxiety and fear. But obviously, being being a boy of 16, I had no idea I was experiencing all those things. I just felt a broken individual and clearly remembering why was I ever born. And at the age of 16, a friend of mine came along one day and he introduced me to drugs. And he gave me some amphetamines. And I'll tell you what, those amphetamines, I took these drugs. And for me, drugs seemed like what was my saviour. They took away the hurt, the pain, the rejection. In that moment, took everything away. And I became quite a... I liked myself, you know. And uh, my drug addiction took off straight away. 
I didn't am and ah about it. I just thought, this is great. This is what I've been looking for all my life. And I, I, I ran with it. But also, even at an early age, I'd already started to get into crime. And uh, at the age of 16, I got my first sentence at uh, the Old Bailey. And at the age of 21, uh, I got my second sentence at the uh, Crown Court. But little did I know that my longest sentence was going to be drink and drug addiction. And just cutting a long story short, by the, the age of 43, you know, I'd experienced a detention centre, I experienced prison, I experienced several rehabilitation centres. But in the end of my addiction, at the age of 43, I was starting to be admitted into mental hospitals because I lost the will to live. I say to people, I wasn't mad, I just lost the will to live. But I certainly had a mental health because that's what drug addiction brings to you. And, um, and that's when, at the age of 43 in this mental hospital, I was so broken. I absolutely, I can't describe how I was feeling. You know, they... In the mental hospital, they just numbed me on drugs. But that's when God broke into my life. And, um, and I wasn't looking for God, but God broke into my life. God brought a Christian lady into my life. And she just started talking to me about Jesus. She started telling me that Jesus loved me and that he had a plan for my life. And, um, and I knew Jesus was because we learned about him at school. But to me, God was just someone in the clouds who you pray to every now and again but you really didn't expect an answer. But she spoke to me about this man called Jesus, if she actually knew him. And that's really what started to catch my attention. And I didn't tell her, I didn't let her know that I was interested, but she, she just kept sharing the, the word of God with me. She'd done it in a very simple way so I could understand, and, and she just loved on me. And about three nights later, I was lying in this bed, and I was so overwhelmed, so overwhelmed with shame and guilt of what I'd done to people and what, you know, and all my loved ones and, and stuff like that. I was so overwhelmed with shame and guilt. I wanted to die in that moment. Absolute despair. And all of a sudden, I remember what this Christian lady, Amanda, told me about Jesus. And I didn't even say it verbally. I cried it out from within. I just cried out the name of Jesus from my heart. And all of a sudden, this overwhelming love, this warmth went right through my body from the soles of my feet to the top of my head. And the only way I can describe it, I went from feeling in absolute despair to feeling as safe as a baby in a mother's womb. Nothing could touch me. Nothing could touch me. I woke up the next morning for the first time in my life, I knew God was real. There wasn't one person on this planet that could tell me God wasn't real. And, um, and I, it was just... The next morning I woke up and I just asked someone, I said, look, have you got a Bible? And I just started reading this Bible and then someone gave me, all this was in the first day. I started reading the Bible and the lady that led me to the Lord gave me a, 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 tape, a tape with this uh, missionary of Jackie Pullinger, uh, a woman, a missionary that went to China. I listened to that tape six times in one day and then whatever people told me, whatever Christians told me about Jesus, I just believed them. Because it was all about Jesus. I just wanted to learn. But, you know, and I was really growing. I was excelling. And, and, and then about three months later, I, I fell. I fell. I went back into drugs. But this time, going back into drugs was like no other time before. I was so tormented. 
I could hear voices in my head accusing me, all sorts of things. And about a year later, I spoke to the lady that led me to Jesus. I said, Amanda, I need help. And she said, well, why don't you give Teen Challenge a call? And I called Teen Challenge, and just cutting a long story short, I was admitted into the program in 2005. I, I surrendered my life fully to Jesus. I fell in love with Jesus. And in 2007, God raised me up um, as an evangelist. Uh, 2007, I became the outreach bus director for, for Teen Challenge. And we took a bus out six nights a week all over London with over 50 volunteers and, uh, and six nights a week at, at just reaching the homeless. And, you know, today I would stay with the ministry for 15 years, but two years ago, God opened up a new door for me and I started working for the council, one of the councils in Essex as their outreach worker. Then God, and then God had me write a little book and then I wrote this book and I said, Lord, what do I do with this book now? And it's okay giving them out to one or two people, but I had hundreds and hundreds of them. And, uh, and I said, what do I do now? And a week later, God opened up the door for me to go into the prisons. And I became a part of the chaplaincy team in Wellwood Scrubs and Brixton Prison. And today my book is in every wing in Brixton and Wellwood Scrubs Prison. And uh, so, you know, I've been so blessed and it's pretty obvious what God has done in my life. Seven members of my family uh, have come to the Lord. Three of, two of my three children have come to the Lord. And I, I just want to give God all the glory. And, you know... This is the little booklet that God had me write. And I don't write. I'm, a, I'm not an academic. You know, you give me a shovel and I'll dig an hole all day long, but I don't write. And God had me up at four or five in the morning writing. So, you know, this is written by me, but written by my hand, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. And these books are at the back of the church at the table and they're three pounds each. And, but every single penny goes back into reaching the lost. So if you want one, they're great evangelistic tool. It's my story in full. Amen. Thank you very much. What an amazing story of the grace of Jesus. Eh? How we can just take someone out of the depths of despair and just use them powerfully, you know, to speak into the lives of, of others in the same situation. You know, another part of the Teen Challenge in London ministry is, is the Reuse Centre. And this is a furniture store. We take donations of second-hand furniture and then we sell it on. But really what it is, is, is outreach. We are a delivery service for Jesus. We're delivering Jesus to people's front doors. You know, we're, we're delivering furniture and we're praying for people in their front room. We're, we're sharing the gospel with people in their front room. We're, we're, you know, sharing testimony with people in their front rooms. You know, Sikh household, Muslim household, people of no faith. It's a fantastic ministry. So if you've got any furniture that you want to donate, yeah, there, there's, there's leaflets at the back. Okay, come, come and see me. Another part of Teen Challenge London is the Centre for Excellence. And this is the education department of, of the ministry where you can, the guys that are coming through can get City and Guilds and MVQ accredited awards, such as Maths, English, IT, and other subjects too. Some men can't read or write when they come in, and now they're leaving, going on to become paramedics, lawyers, solicitors, going on to Bible college. They've even had a bus driver, you know, he's just, he's, he's just he's a great evangelist. Anyway, I can't go to the time, because of the time, but he's a great evangelist. He says, right, can I share my testimony with you for one minute? You're there for the next 10. <laughs> All right. 
Another part of the Teen Challenge London ministry is Exit Foundation. And what these guys do is they work with young people that are caught up in criminal uh, lifestyle or gang lifestyle, and they mentor them over a 16-week period out of, that, out of that lifestyle and into a place of education and employment. And actually, Exit Foundation are at the forefront of tackling the county lines problem that we have at the moment. Have you heard of the county lines issue that we have? Where gangs groom young children and then they're made, they're, they're made to, they're sent out to neighbouring towns and cities and they're made to sell drugs for them. Exit Foundation are at the forefront of tackling this issue with their intervention methodologies. And their work has actually been recognised by the London Mayor for what they're doing. So if you could keep these guys on your, on your prayer list, we'd be most eternally grateful. I want to share this. When my granddad came, after eight weeks, you get a, you get a first visit. Okay, my granddad was one of these people that came in my family who, who come to visit me. As he was leaving, he was walking out of the gate and he's turned back to me. And he said, Michael, I've been praying for you for many years. And coming here today, I can honestly say that my prayers have been answered. So if you're praying for someone in here, don't give up. Don't give up on them prayers because God is faithful and he will answer them prayers. And I say that as well to say this, that Teen Challenge, we was praying for a new building because we'd outgrown our, new build, our old building. And we wanted uh, more people to, to come to know Christ, to know the freedom that is found in him. This is a picture of our old building. And last year, God was faithful to that prayer, and he answered it. And in December, the men moved to their new building, which is in Norwich. Fantastic facility, five-star hotel, three acres of land. Look at the difference, eh? Isn't God good, eh? And this is just a building. Imagine what he wants to do with you. Imagine what he wants to do in your life. The increase that he can bring, that he wants to bring. Hallelujah. And to go alongside that, we've... We've changed the way that we do outreach as well. What we do is it's called the Joshua Project, where we go into an area for a period of 12 weeks and we will be going out daily, sharing Jesus with people, targeting specifically those that are caught in drug addiction and alcoholism, those that are homeless, just loving on them, sharing Jesus with them, guiding that we're going to drop-in centres, we're going to soup kitchens, you know, we build up a relationship with them. We can signpost them to Teen Challenge if they want to come in rehab. If not, we can signpost them to where they can receive help in their, in their community. And I'd be walking the streets. I'd often, sometimes I just I see a drug deal going on and I would just step into that, that drug deal and just begin to speak to these guys. <clears throat> How would they know unless, someone's, unless someone shares with them, right? But what we also do in this period is we train and equip the local church in evangelism and outreach. And in fact, at the moment, we're just in Harlow. And we had a fantastic time out in the town centre in Harlow yesterday. We had a, a couple, we had, a, I can't remember how many people respond to the message of Jesus Christ. The gospel was proclaimed over the town of Harlow yesterday. And it was a wonderful day out for God's glory. So with that, I'm going to go into a short, a short message, a gospel message right now. But before I do that, I'd invite you into three ways in which you can support the ministry of Teen Challenge. The first way is through prayer. We're a frontline ministry and we need the prayers of the saints. We need prayers of guidance. We need prayers of protection, prayers of wisdom. Do you know what? We just need prayers, man. So <laughs> add us to your prayer list if, if, if we've been most eternally grateful. 
The second way in which you can support the Ministry of Teen Challenge is by signing up to our newsletter, which is found at the back. You'll get, you'll get updates of when we do outreach, these outreach projects, and it will give you uh, a help in knowing what to pray for. The third way in which you can support the Ministry of Teen Challenge is financially. And if you wanted to sow in financially, if you sign up today, a direct debit of £5 or more, what you'll get is a free copy of The Crossing the Switchblade, the story of how Teen Challenge started. A blessing, a great evangelistic tool, and it's a fantastic story. So I wouldn't be standing here, I'll tell you, I wouldn't be standing here now if, it wasn't some, if someone didn't sow in financially. And tonight you've heard of the fruit that, go, that is brought out of Teen Challenge. If you just wanted to give a one-off donation... And may I suggest that you give a one-off donation to our new building project. We've had to put in new showers, new, new, new wardrobes, new beds, new mattresses, everything that goes along with the new building. So if you wish to sow in that way, we'd be most and eternally grateful too. God bless you. So now let's, let's turn to the word of the Lord. And I think as it's Father's Day, it'd only be right really to, to share a message on the Father. Now there may be some here that, that you've had a, a wonderful example as a father. And I, oh man, I just thank God, for, I thank God for that blessing of having that strong father figure in the home. But for some, me included, we didn't have a good example of a father at home. See, when, I, when you look to a father, you think of these traits in a father, one of a, a leader, one who is a guide, one who is a protector, and one who is an example. I didn't have that. Well, not very good, a good example anyway. For many years, I felt a sting of rejection because I felt my dad had, had, had rejected me. But I thank God when I met with, with my heavenly father, he met me in such a way where I still feel that joy now. Because the Bible says that he is a father to the fatherless. I'm going to read out of John 17 and 20, uh, 20 to 21. It's the prayer, when Jesus is praying for his disciple and then he prays for all his older believers. He says this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be on us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And before I met Christ, before I, I, I knew the way of how to receive the love of my Heavenly Father, I felt so insecure. I felt so lost. I felt so misguided. Because as I said at the beginning, all these traits are found in the Father. And this is what they instill in their children. But I love this picture which I often meditate on and think of. It's just before anything was created. It's just a father and a son in the heavenly realms, just having, this, just having this conversation between one another, just loving on one another. And that the father loved his son so much that he wanted to share him 
He wanted to share his son with others. So then he, he made creation. He created the world and everything in it. He created you and he created me. So that others may know the love of his son. So that others may know the love of their father. The problem was in the fall of the garden, the first, crea- the first creation, man creation, that they was disobedient to God and this separation happened. There was imperfect relationship with God, but then this separation happened and, and they lost this relationship that they had with their heavenly father. They lost this, this, this relationship and this conversation. And that separation came in through sin, which just means that you've missed the, 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 the standard, missed God's standard. And this path of sin leads you down a path of destruction. You see, that's what happens when people are in addiction. Yes, the addiction is something else, but when we take it right down, at the base of it, it's sin. Whatever that may be, whether it may be lying, whatever the case may be. But that leads you down a path of destruction because once you tell one lie, then you've got to tell another. You've got to tell another. You've got to tell another until you're so wrapped up in it that you don't know where you are. You're confused. The second visit that I had from family was one of my dad. My dad, the relationship that I had with my dad was very fraught. There was a lot of stuff that happened. And if I had more time, I'd go into that. But for the time, I can't. But I really wanted to hurt him when he came back into my life because of the pain that he had caused me. And the thing was, on this, on this visit, I'd now met Christ. i now met Jesus. i now known forgiveness. And I knew that I had to sit down with my dad and we had to have a conversation. Right? And I sat, we sat down together. And I said, listen, Dad, I, for, I forgive you for the things of the past and what's happened. And he turned around to me. He's not, he wasn't a Christian. He said, okay, I forgive you as well. You know, so I'd done a lot. I'd done a lot to him. But I thank God because six months later, he passed away from a very short battle with cancer and a very aggressive form of cancer. And if you're here today, and that is you, God wants to bring healing to your body tonight, in Jesus' name. But for many years, I carried this, this bitterness and this resentment toward him. That's why I was acting out towards him. But it was the forgiveness when I sat down with my dad. It was the forgiveness that was the start of the relationship. Because after that, when I had a day out, it's the most beautiful memory that I have of my dad. When we had this, we was just walking around this field and the conversation was true, it was real. There was no angle which I was trying to, I wasn't trying to say one thing to get money out of him or say this way to manipulate him in this way. The conversation was just real. And it all started with that moment of forgiveness. And Jesus says that no one can come to the Father except through him. Only through the Son can we know the Father. Only through the Son can we receive forgiveness. 
Imagine that. Father creating us. Create the first man and that, that relationship was broken. And that he first wanted to send his son so that he may, so his creation may know that love. But they've gone their own way. But still, his son was sent. And Jesus, it may have been the Father's will for Jesus to come, but Jesus had to play his part in that as well. He had to be obedient and listen to his Father's will. That Jesus willingly went to the cross. He willingly took on the sin of mankind. He willingly took on sickness. He willingly took on death. He willingly took on separation from his Father in heaven, which he had known before even time began, always in conversation. He experienced that separation. Why? So that me and you could experience the love of the Father once again, that we may be brought back into right relationship with him, the Father's love, the embrace, the warmth, the security, the comfort. Maybe these things are something that you need in in here tonight. Maybe you've walked in here broken. Before you were created, God knew you. Before you created, your heavenly Father knew what he had placed in your heart and what he had placed in your life. And tonight, all you need to do is respond to this call. I'm going to ask the the worship team to to come back up. But tonight, if you're you're in this place and you, you may be aware of something, that you wasn't aware of when you first, when you first came in. Maybe there's, there's, a, there's a warming of your heart. Maybe there's a, maybe something has come to the forefront of your mind. And in fact, right now, I'd just like ask everyone to stand if you can, if you're able to, would you stand? Because I believe that, that, that God is, is reaching out to, to some in here now. And that maybe you've come in here broken. Maybe you feel that there's no way out. And God is here to say, come on, son. Come on, daughter. Come back to me and experience the love that I have for you. The relationship which I created you for in the beginning. And if that's you today, would you just be so brave as Jesus was when he went to that cross, when he gave that example to us of how to live? Would you come forward right down the front here and that I may pray for you? If that's you and you want to know this, if fathers embrace the love and the warmth of your heavenly father, for the first time this evening, I'd ask that you come down here so I can pray with you personally. And I'm going to throw out another another question as well. Maybe you're in here and you know Jesus. Maybe you're in here and you know Jesus, but something in your heart is hurting. Maybe you need a healing in your heart, whether that be physical, whether that be emotional, whether that be mental. 
I believe God, as you step out tonight and you step out prophetically in faith and you say, yes, I want to feel my father's embrace all over again. I want to feel that security and comfort. Then I would ask that you come down the front as well, that you would be brave and step out and that you would come down the front and just stand before the king, stand before the father, your father in heaven today. And I want to say this as well, the cross, the wonderful cross. You know, this, the cross was a symbol of shame. It was often placed on the main street into the town. And a person who was made to, to hang on that cross was stripped naked to add to their humiliation. Maybe you're in this place and you feel the sting of shame. You feel the sting of rejection, of being alone. Jesus knows that feeling too. And you know when he went to that cross, he done something wonderful, even more so. Because overcoming that death and, and he was overcome and brought back to life. He was resurrected and he wants to resurrect you in here too. Because that cross was no longer a symbol of shame, but one of hope and of freedom. Because that cross that was a symbol of shame was now a symbol of victory. It was a symbol of one overcoming. So I'm going to close now and I'll just say, if you want to come forward, I'd love to, to pray with you personally. I believe that God is, is doing a work in your heart now. Holy Spirit, I just pray for every person in this place tonight. Lord, that you would just come in supernaturally to their heart. Lord, you see the hearts of every man. You see the, the discouragements, you see the pain. Lord, I pray that you just bring healing in your love right now, Lord. Right now, Lord. May your love overflow.